Welcome back to the Growth and Jams podcast. Today I'm joined by my good friend and old roommate, Clay Roberts. He's here today to talk about a variety of things, including ego, life lessons, lifestyle, mistakes, and the importance of Japan in his life. We also discuss some books and music. I hope you enjoy the show today. Clay, thank you for being here today. Let's get started. Why don't you share a little bit about who you are, you know, what you're up to, what are the plans for the future, just a little bit of insight、uh, for the audience. Yeah, for sure. So、um, I'm Clay Roberts. I'm a recent physics graduate from UT. Right now I'm taking a few classes at community college while I fill out grad school applications. My plan is to make it into a somewhat reputable program. And earn a ton more. Nice. That's some good plans for right now. It's a great、yeah, way that you're filling、so. your time <laughs> with these classes. Something that I think tells a lot about a person. There's a lot of things to tell a lot about a person. Some of those things can be, you know, how someone drives, how someone talks, how they post about themselves. For me,、mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to、uh, live with you. So to just start with an observation, I, I don't really know how to phrase this question, but I think as an observation, It's safe to say that you live in a way that is with less, where a lot of people are always trying to gain more and more and, you know, more clutter, more things, more luxury, or chase a certain lifestyle. I feel like you're kind of the opposite in that way. You're really unique in that way. Describe where that comes from and how this affects you and your overall happiness. Yeah, for sure. So I think there's two like, main reasons. I think the first is just like upbringing. But the second, I think I could attribute it to my brother.、Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always、uh, he had an affinity to grandeur, I guess you could say. <laughs> he always liked a little bit more expensive stuff. He wanted a nice car, a nice fancy apartment and stuff. And I don't think any of those are bad things, but I noticed that it caused a lot more problems him trying to keep up with that kind of stuff when. If you don't worry about that kind of stuff, it's a, you can focus on a lot of other stuff、mm-hmm. that I find, I guess, more important. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I have to thank you in that regard because I think I was one of those people as well that came into college and I had worked, you know, since the time I was 16. But having that, I guess, ability to spend your money more freely when you get to college, I definitely went on like a, a spending streak and was always impulsively buying things or impulsively going to concerts. So, I think living with you showed me a lot about like what it means to not only be frugal to an extent, but just to like not take life so seriously in that regard and, you know, focus on the things that really matter. For sure, for sure. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So, you're someone that I find, like I said right now, like doesn't take life too seriously. Talk a little bit about how you handle adversity and plans changing. You seem from an external point, from being your friend, like you handle these things very well. What does that look like for you? So, this one's a little tough, but I think the main thing that keeps me motivated in the face of adversity is the fact I can keep trying and that I have a, like, at least a threshold level of self confidence.、Mm-hmm. 
example is when I applied to UT after my freshman year at UTSA, I had worked super hard all year long, really kept my nose in the books and pretty much like lived at campus mm-hmm. to get into UT like extremely bad. But when I applied, I was initially rejected. I knew the program I was trying to get into had like really high standards. I think when I applied, the GPA requirement was like a 3.98. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I knew I had worked really hard and I knew I was a student that a lot of schools that I applied to would want. And so after receiving my rejection, I, uh, I immediately went and appealed it. And in my appeal, I wrote about that they would be making a mistake if they passed me up (laughs) and that if they gave me the chance, I could prove it. And it was enough to convince them to let me in. And so I guess it's just, yeah, it's just, I, I know I can keep trying to get in or keep trying to do whatever it is I want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. It, I think that's what keeps my, uh, my head up above it. I like how you just basically said in a professional manner, I reject your rejection of me because I'm simply built different. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that's, that is kind of what I said. Yeah. But I guess they took it well. Cause they, within that week they got back to me and said, okay, actually we'll throw you in. <laughs> that's awesome. What are some of the, the feelings I guess that you had? initially when you received that rejection or maybe straight out of high school when you didn't get into UT automatically? Were those the things that really motivated you the most to get to where you are now? Yeah. So out of high school, I had good grades, but I knew I hadn't done as much academically as I probably could have to make it into UT. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't much of a blow because I kind of had that thought in the back of my head where I was like, uh, it would be a long shot if I made it in at this Mm -hmm. point. But when I started going to UTSA, I, at that point, I kind of locked down. I knew I wanted to go to UT at that point. And so I had just really grinded. And when I got the second rejection, that one was actually pretty tough. Yeah, I was down for about an hour. And then, like I said, it was the same day. I think I checked my rejection letter at 9 a.m. or something like that. And... Moped for a little while, had some coffee, and then I went to my room and I was like, no, I, uh, I'm going to message them back. I, uh, <laughs> I had lucked out and I had just asked everybody I knew for a letter of recommendation. And so I had a backup letter of recommendation also to send in with my appeal. And that probably helped as well. But yeah, the second time it hurt, definitely. But I tried to just keep moving forward and not, uh, I tried not to think about I knew there was something I could do about it. Mm-hmm. So I went down that path. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that it worked out. Had it not, I don't know that we would have ever like fully met each other or become friends. But yeah, you know, I'm thankful for a lot of the experiences that I've been able to share as a result of you coming to UT, us living together, stuff like that. So this is kind of tangential a little bit. But it's kind of big picture, and I think you're someone that really represents this well. But I had a conversation with one of my other buddies this weekend where he talked about ego, and he was specifically referencing a time where my ego was like rather large, which was towards the end of high school. And for me, that was like really necessary for me to hear because I always reflect on that time, but I never really have had those conversations with other people where they've kind of called me out on it. So it was great to have that. But why don't you share a little bit of? If you've ever experienced this, you know, having an overinflated ego or if not, how you keep your own ego in check. 
Yeah, for sure. So I, I definitely have had a big ego at some points. And uh, I think a good one kind of ties into that previous question, but it was right after I made it into the physics program at UT. I was used to being near like the top of most of my classes in my previous semesters in college. But once I made it into the physics program, I could see a clear gap between the students who lived and breathed physics and science mm-hmm. and students that I felt like I was a part of where we were physics students, but not to the degree of just it was our whole entire life. Yeah. And so it definitely knocked me down a peg seeing that where I wasn't in that upper echelon of the class. But the thing I learned after being in the program for a few years was that pretty much everybody in the program felt that same exact way. It was, I think it's called imposter syndrome, where you, yeah. you, you think you don't actually belong and that one day you're going to get exposed, that you're not supposed to be there. But I think I found a more positive outlook on that also later on, where it was, you, you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room at any point. You never want to yeah. be the smartest guy in the room because that means you always have something to learn. That's a great way to look at it. I had, I'm glad you touched on imposter syndrome because I don't know if most people have even heard of this or experienced it, but I am definitely like, that is where I am right now in regards to going to school in the fall. And I don't even know how to combat that because I feel very much like undeserving in a way of mm-hmm. the things that and the opportunities I have that lay ahead of me. But yeah, I'm hoping that I experience some of the things that you share being kicked down the totem pole and just realizing that I have a lot to learn and that I'm there for a reason, I guess. But yeah, that's for awesome. Sure. I'm in a similar position, I think, as you right now trying to apply into grad school. It, uh, I definitely feel that come on every once in a while where it's, man, am I good enough to make it into some of these programs? I know some of the other people that are applying in. Yeah. And I know I graduated with this degree that they have, but am I still like up to the task? So yeah. you got to kind of ground yourself every once in a while. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there a person in your life, like an external factor, I guess, that you would say regularly keeps your ego in check in a way? Oh, for sure. I would definitely say it's my dad. So my dad is a a PhD engineer. And so he has a lot of the same education, or at least the same education path as me. He's definitely further down that path than me. But he'll constantly bring up topics that I'll know what he's talking about at first. And then he'll go into depth about it and it'll just completely be over my head. But it is a good way to see that there's always like more to learn. The further you dive into a subject, there's always something to uncover. So That's awesome that you can have that that person in your life. I really like that. To segue into, I guess, something that you can share whatever you want in this part, but just do you have or do you reflect on any general mistakes that you've made in your life and what have you learned from those mistakes and how have you grown? Yeah. So for sure, I'd say, uh, I guess a lot of people can relate to this one. I would hope at least, but I know that people tend to stick to the labels that other people place on them and they do what other people expect of them. They stay in their lines and I've definitely fallen into that trap in the past. Like it applies to hobbies, studies, whatever. You can always make the excuse that, oh, I want to do X, but people would look at me funny because they've never seen me do X Mm. kind of or something along those lines. And then that is just you staying back in the lines. You're, you're making an excuse for yourself. But the trick is to just 
go for things and eventually people will start to associate those things with you and you won't feel self-conscious about whatever it is you're doing. But I've, I've definitely done that in the past where, Oh, I, I can't play piano because people have never seen me play piano or something and I'm it. So I'm not going to try. Yeah. That's crazy that you say that because I actually just watched a Ted talk the other day Mm -hmm. called the, I think it's the danger of the single story or of a single story. And it's basically talking about what you just said about how like people will place their story of who you are on you. And then that ultimately like constrains what you do with your life. And for sure, I'd never heard of it or thought about it. And I didn't even notice that you struggled with that. But thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. Yeah, I think uh, it affects a lot of people throughout their entire lives. Like I clearly remember back in like middle school when I first started picking up skating I didn't want to be a poser. <laughs> it was the, uh, yeah. you, you don't want to be a poser, but you want to skateboard, but you don't want to start wearing all the thrasher and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how to ollie yet kind of thing. Yeah. But you eventually just start doing it and you, you slowly, I remember my brother's friends coming over and them going, oh, Clay, you're starting to look like a skater. <laughs> like, and I, like, oh, I guess I'm fitting the image that I was trying to project. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you like Japan a lot and it seems yeah. to seems to have a big influence on your life and just your overall like happiness. I can see when you talk about it, like it's just a longing to go back there. Why don't you talk a little bit about the times that you visited as well as how that's had a major impact in your life? So like Japan is great. I don't want to oversell it. It's just like <laughs> anywhere else, but it is definitely different and it's a big like culture shock going over mm-hmm. there. And uh it's definitely a change of pace from the U.S. One big thing that definitely changed my thinking, or it still has an effect on my thinking, is uh, the fashion in Japan. After coming back the first time, I think I, I went at the end of my senior year high school. When I got back, I felt a lot more comfortable wearing uncomfortable clothes, I guess, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Where, like crop tops and crop jeans and open-toed shoes and stuff. Because when I was in Japan, it was just part of the norm. It was everybody wore comfortable stuff. And so that definitely stuck with me and it still sticks with me where I, even if something's a little bit weird, I'm down to wear it. Like it's, it's yeah. cool. And then uh, I think another really big thing that came back with me from Japan was I noticed how socially aware a lot of the people were whether it's at like a restaurant or a bar or on the train, you like two friends on the train, if they're talking to each other, they don't have to be yelling. They don't, they're socially aware that, Oh, I can whisper to my friend or talk in a inside voice kind of thing. And I noticed Mm -hmm. immediately when I got back to the U S how extremely loud we are. (laughs) So uh, those are two big things that really came back with me or back with me from Japan. But uh, I don't know. It's just a great place, man. <laughs> it's a it's a different culture, but it it grounds you definitely to the U.S. You you notice a lot of things that you wouldn't otherwise notice about U.S. culture and stuff by going over there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I feel like everyone needs to travel outside of the U.S. so they can have that culture shock in one way or another. It it happens in a lot of different places, but I would imagine Japan is pretty much as polar opposite as you can get from the U.S. Going forward, you obviously want to go back, but what does that look like 
long term for you? Would you ever consider living there, moving there? Oh, for sure. I mean, I've thought about it since the first time I went. So five, six years ago now. I my most immediate plans for going over there would be uh if I don't make it into into any of the grad schools that I'm uh applying to, mm-hmm. the next step is going to be to try to go over there and just work for a year or two and take advantage of all the years I took of Japanese language. Mm-hmm. And so to try to ride that out for a little while and just if there's any point in my life to do it, it would be right now. And so that and then I was actually supposed to go in uh May this last year, right when I graduated, but that didn't happen because of <laughs> everything going on. Yeah. It's cool that you can like have a set path in place, like with grad school set plan and still be open to the idea of pivoting and doing something that may look completely different, but is seems equally as meaningful to you, which is really cool. Yeah. I definitely have a hard time with that. And I know a lot of people have a hard time deviating from like the set path that they have established in their life. And they're all super arbitrary paths. Like, why do I need to graduate by 25 from law school and have a house by X year and all that stuff? So yeah, it's good that you take life as it comes to you. I really appreciate that about you. Hey man, I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. I think something that always stood out to me um, about you is that you're like unapologetically yourself. And I think that probably comes from going to Japan and realizing like I can be whoever I want to be and America doesn't need to put those constraints on me. So I have noticed sure. that your your fashion is your fashion is awesome, man. I like that. <laughs> I appreciate that again. <laughs> So I guess to, before we wrap it all up, we can leave this open to any general advice that you want to convey. Also, you have a pretty, pretty solid music taste as well. You can share some of those book suggestions. I know you read a lot as well. There's pretty much anything you want to talk about right now. All right. I got some stuff written up. Let's see. So I've been reading a few books and I would definitely recommend pretty much all of them. To start with the book we read, The Silent Patient. Ooh. I- just don't read anything about it just go buy it and experience the book it uh it's a it's a ride it is uh, next uh cat's cradle by kurt vonnegut it's a wild ride the entire way through um at the end it got a little bit crazy but overall really heavy on satire really good book um if you're into sapphire or sci-fi um recommend dune and uh isaac asimov's foundation series they uh once i started reading them i still pretty much can't put them down i think i finished the second foundations book in a single sitting you'll get hooked on them really fast if you're into that genre just recently finished lord of the rings there's a reason it's a classic it uh definitely earned that status if you haven't been forced to read it in high school or for a lit class, Catch-22 is one of the best anti-war satires I've ever read. It's a pretty long book, but it's definitely worth the read. And then let's see, as for music, uh, gotta listen to Sophie, rest in peace. She just passed away on Saturday. Um, I, I, oh, what I was, was Before you go on, I had no idea who Sophie was until this week. Why don't you share 
I guess, a little bit about who. Okay, so uh, she's a London, well, I guess she's an LA based producer and like electronic artist. I don't even know if I could categorize her as just electronic. She's very Mm -hmm. mental and stuff. I believe she's from London. I got introduced to her, I think, my junior year of college. I had a buddy who I was just exchanging recommendations with, and he said, You have to check out Sophie. And I think the reason we got onto that like experimental side was because I had recommended Caro Caro Bonito mm-hmm. and said, so, you got to check out Sophie if you like Caro Caro Bonito. And so I went in and just a really interesting style of music that I hadn't heard before and a really solid discography from her. That's awesome. Yeah. Passed away on Saturday. Real sad. But uh, let's see. On top of that, a uh, hundred Gex has definitely made its way into some of my playlists. <laughs> You're into more experimental, I don't know, hyper pop, I guess is what I'd call it. That's an interesting one. And then pretty much any 1980s Japanese city pop song <laughs> I put into a playlist on Spotify. Also, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Brian Planets. Go Always. check stuff on soundcloud twitter myspace linkedin the slap i don't know (laughs) but yeah those are uh those are my recommendations i guess those are awesome i like the the different perspective you bring in into music expanding people's playlists in that way we'll have to link a lot of those because i'm sure no one's heard of most of those (laughs) all right sounds good (laughs) yeah that's awesome um any last things you would like to add that you feel that we didn't cover to help, I guess, convey some of the things that you've been through, uh, some of the things you've learned in your life, anything like that? I guess just try to keep a positive outlook. You got to try to stay positive. Fake it till you make it if you have to, but a <laughs> positive yeah. outlook is the most productive thing you can do. I agree. I don't want to butcher the quote. But it's like you can't change your external circumstances, but you can change your attitude. For sure. And I like to live by that because, yeah, attitude is really a choice. Your outlook really is a choice. And once you change the thought, you change the action, the behavior, and the the result that follows. For sure, for sure. All right. I think that's a good way to wrap this up, fellas. We appreciate you tuning in. Thank you again, Clay, for coming on. And, uh... Yeah, be on the lookout for all the recommendations, music, and book-wise in the show notes. But yeah, thank you again, Clay, for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Growth and Jams podcast. My name is Saul. We are hosted by 1718 Media. If you enjoyed the show today, please feel free to give it a rating in the podcast app. Also, follow us on social media at Growth and Jams. Thank you for tuning in.